see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, Stephen, welcome back for episode three here of Rangers Review. This is going to be a very entertaining one. I'm glad I didn't live stream or take part in the last three Rangers games. Well, actually, I did in the Devils one, so I shouldn't say that. But the past two Penguins games obviously didn't go the Rangers way. A very rough week for us Rangers fans as these were not games where they were blown out by any stretch of the imagination. But Stephen, first of all, how are you and what are your your, your initial thoughts on what has transpired over the past week? Uh, yeah, no, I'm doing good. Um, look, I had a feeling before the season started that this was going to be an up-and-down season. I expected the Rangers to finish fifth or sixth in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they make the playoff, that would be a huge surprise to me. Um, but the, the the issues that the, that the team has are probably the easiest to overcome out of all the teams that are struggling at the moment. Because it's not our bottom six that is the problem. Most teams are struggling with their bottom six, trying to find the right combinations. For the Rangers, their bottom six is basically the only thing that works. You're not wrong. Um, it's their top. Six. It's their top six that really needs to get back to you know the rhythm they were in last year. Of course, Zibanejad had the, uh, the uh, had COVID nineteen, so he was out of it a little bit. I think that still affects him uh, a bit. You know, so you have to come back. You have to get to the same level your teammates are on. Um, and he just seems tired when he or and slow. And other players like Strom and Kreider, you know, it's like they they they're not in in midseason form yet. It's it's like they they play the way they would play in preseason game. Yeah. Um, having said that, if you take away the the home opener against the Islanders where they were shut out. The Rangers have scored uh, 12 goals in uh, – no, sorry, 16 goals in four games. So an average of four goals per game. Not bad. Which, Or something like that, or maybe 15. Um, but it's 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 good to uh, – oh, no, wait, sorry. Sorry, I'm completely off. Sorry. <laughs> it's an average of three per game. Okay. So they, they've scored three, they scored five, and then uh, three, three, and then I think they scored two yesterday. So the offense is not really the issue. They, they've hit a couple of posts. Um, they create offense. They just need to bury the puck a little bit more. And the Rangers could have beaten the Penguins twice. That's how close those games were. The game against the Devils probably felt a lot closer than it was because we had about you know 40 or 50 shots, but most of them were from the side yeah. where you know, your chances of converting are very Devils low. Devils were blocking a lot. So it reminds me a bit of the LA Kings in 2012. You know, they they just shot the puck from anywhere. Um, and you hope for a rebound, and you hope for the best. So the Rangers were doing that against the Devils, I feel. Um, but, you know, uh, the young players are doing well. Kako has two goals already, which is nice. Um, Ke'Andre Miller is having a great start to the season. The yeah, game he's really coming into his own. game yesterday, he was up against Crosby, and he just, he just looked good against Crosby, who was a top three player in the world so i think there are definitely silver linings but you know the things that are struggling that they're struggling with 
are things that over time will get better. You know, people complain about the goaltending. Yeah, Shashtrok can let in some soft goals, but, you know, we've been through this before. Let's not pretend that Henrik Lundqvist never had a bad stretch of games. He always started slow. He's he's not, especially in the, like, more so as he was hitting his prime and, you know, slowly but surely getting out of it in some of the Rangers' playoff run seasons, he was still having a slow start to the season. And when Hank had a slow start to the season, you weren't surprised by it. You're like, okay, don't worry. Once he gets more into that mid-season groove, all right, then you have to wash out. Yeah. Yeah. And so- I remember, I think it was 2015-16, was one of the rare occasions where Lundqvist was off to a great start. I was in Seattle at the time. I, rem- I recall the season. I think the Rangers' record for the first 12 games was like 11-1 and, and, and or 10-2, and two, something like they that. They were scoring they, like five goals a game. They were scoring five goals a game that but also you know they were they were playing really good hockey and they had some really good goaltending early on which normally they don't really have you know they always have to get into it so just working having to to get into the season a bit makes sense um i think aside from the one game in the qualifying round is this these are his first competitive game since that car in, uh, car accident back in march mm-hmm. or april um so yeah, I think I think the whole team just needs some time. But you know, the Rangers are scoring goals and you know they 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 lose four three twice and three two once. It's not like they get shot out like like on opening night. So it's not all it's not all bad. It's always a great feeling when you're averaging at least three goals a game to start out the year when you have your top six almost non existent. Like granted, Panarin has been contributing more so on special teams by far than on five on five though. Um, that's been the biggest thing. Um, if you look at Zbanjad, I don't think you should put much stock in Zbanjad. It's just more, say, of an issue because of this being a shortened season. So like Quinn, who's constantly trying to juggle lines and make things work, at least the first couple games would um, show that. It's mainly because they don't they don't have any time to slouch currently. And for a team that's basically on the borderline of being uh, playoff contenders and also still trying to work on their youth in, in this rebuild because that's still what they're doing. There's probably butting heads in that sense. And with Mika, knowing that he really doesn't have a whole lot of time to get in a rhythm, he just has to get in there, coming off of the code list. It's not all that surprising to me that he's not a point per game yet, uh, to put it that way. And Kreider is a little bit concerning, but I will give Kreider the benefit of the doubt. Kreider's always been a pretty streaky player for the Rangers, um, especially when you look at him if he's playing the off wing, which he did at times with Lafreniere. If you look at the past couple games, you know it's just more obstacles in the way. If you ask me to an extent, whenever things are line juggler, if Kreider's playing on the right wing, when we all know he's his best at the left, it, it, again, it's not all that surprising. And you also look at how the Rangers have been utilizing. I don't know if you've been knowing this on the special teams for the Rangers. Kreider has not been in front of the net nearly as much as he should be. That's something that I've been noticing a lot. He's been gaining traffic at times, but as they cycle the puck and make things work, he's just not planted like you would expect Kreider to in previous Ranger power play years, where I'm kind of left scratching my head because this is a team on the special teams on their first power play as well. That is way too passive as it is. They're trying to get that one T shot to set up in the right dot when you don't have a lefty there. And I just, what are your initial thoughts on that? Because I find that rather interesting that the Rangers, one, don't just have guys that are necessarily not in the right spot where you should really have a strong lefty in that right die. I think we can all agree. But now when you're having Kreider not being playing in front of the net as much as he should be, it's a little bit cause for concern, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think the biggest problem with our power play is that, first of all, David Quinn is relying heavily on that first unit because the first uh, unit took our play goals the other day. But that first power play unit basically tries the same trick over and over again. Yep. You know, they're trying to get the, power, the puck to Fox. 
who then gets it to Zibanejad on the on the goal line, and then who goes for uh, a snipe. That's the only thing they're trying, and and it was refreshing last night when I think it was Strom who drew a penalty with Panarin also on the ice. So the power play started with the second unit, and it wasn't great. You know that the power play didn't start off great, but it was nice to see the second unit out there for more than twenty seconds for once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for all his line juggling that he does, David Quinn seems to be very adamant that this first power play unit is is the way to go. And I still don't understand how you can have four right-handed shots on one power play, but it I is what it is. I think that's a scenario where they're putting too much stock into how things gelled for a while last year because Strom did have some good looks on the power play last year for them. So that is what they're trying to go back to. But realistically, you know, we're a couple games in now. And let's be real, outside of the Rangers, you know, in that doubt, if you really look outside of the Rangers' first game, they have been good enough to win every single game. We can all agree. If you look at that Devils game, they dominated the Devils. But their issue was, and this was the bigger one, not so much in the Penguins game as it was in the Devils game, where they were giving way too much open ice opportunities as soon as the Rangers tied the game. They sat back for a little bit every single time, especially when Jack Hughes was coming down the zone. They just gave him all the time in the world to set up. And granted, some fluky goals happened with that goal that held off the post. And then Hughes gets in and Lindgren's looking up because he doesn't realize the puck didn't just, uh, he thought it might have hit off the boards or something. It goes right behind Yorgiev and then the tie uh, from that Ty Smith shot. But that game was very interesting because the Devils did do a solid job at keeping the Rangers from attacking the front of the net. They were keeping them outside, as we said, gained a lot of shots off, a lot of pressure, but they were also way too passive that entire game. They were looking for the perfect pass when it wasn't going to happen. But then the Penguins games, they were they should have won both games. We know this. They had no leads in both these games, and especially the first one, making them all come all the way back to go to the shootout. That one hurt. And then last night, they score with a minute 30 left. It's just very unfortunate. And you, a lot of people could say Igor should have had that. And I understand that, even if there was a certain screen to an extent. You know, it's just very unfortunate losses for the Rangers. So they need to make sure that they can keep their heads high going forward because these were games that they know they played well, at least to the extent of winning. So when you're doing that and you're still not getting the results, that can cause some players to maybe overthink things a little bit. So I think they need to get back to simple hockey. They're being way too passive here. They can't be staying back and let the guys continue to thrive. If you look at Lafreniere, I actually plan on doing an individual video on him, but to just summarize on him, what are your thoughts on his game? Because I don't think that he's been an issue whatsoever. There are a lot of people concerned, and I'll expand on that further in a separate video because I think it will be a good topic. But what are your initial thoughts on Laffy? Do you think people should be concerned or no? I think Lafreniere is fine the way he is. He's, he's playing good hockey. The first two games, he was definitely better than he has been in like, the last three. But, um, you know... And, and yeah, it's frustrating to see all these rookies score their first goal, like Dylan Cousins and Kirill Kaprizov and Tim Stutzler and, and Pius Suter, who, oh, granted, he's 24, but, you know, he gets a hat trick last night. Um, yeah. It's frustrating to see all these rookies score their first goal. And we're here waiting for the first overall pick to to finally score his. And, you know, I understand why fans are are annoyed by it or frustrated by it, but... Eventually, he will score his first goal, and hopefully, that will start something. Um, but Lafreniere is, is is a victim of the top six that's just not working well. You know, you have Kreider, Zabanejad, Strom, and Panarin, who just look lethargic on the ice. They they're slow. It's like they're skating in mud. And Lafreniere really needs a line that that's clicking for him to you know to to get going. 
uh, Kako with Hedl and DiGiuseppe really works well because they are arguably a better line. Hedl is, is probably one of the best players we've uh, on our team so far this season. And it's uh, cur- it's make sure to add on Hedl in regards to his injury because he will not be playing, unfortunately, in the Sabres game. So continue yeah. talking about him. Yeah, um, Hedl, uh, I'm really impressed with him. Uh, I'm not saying to put Lafreniere back on the third line because fans will complain about that. We just need to wait for, you know, guys like Zibanejad and Panarin to get back into that rhythm that they were in last season. Um, but yeah, I think what I've seen from Lafreniere doesn't concern me to the point where we had our concerns last year with Kako or the Devils had their concerns with Jack Hughes. So he's he seems like he's... He's doing well, you know. He's able to keep up with with the speed of the game, and you know that's 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 good to see, at least. Oh, it always is. I've been very impressed. It's nice to see how PDG has kind of come in and like a really strong, fast replacement, if you will. That's what's been trending because if you look at the type of player that he is, he's obviously hard nosed. He's able to drive the net. He has speed to his game, as we know. But he just he brings a lot of those elements that can really help balance out a line and what you're having. Say your guys that are say more offensively driven. And he has four assists in four games. You know, just from helping out and really contributing great on that third line. Heedle, as you said, array. As I've been very impressed with Heedle. That one goal he had the other night was beautiful. Him and Kako are really starting quick. And that's awesome. You know, chemistry is key. That's why they originally put Kako back to the third because of that chemistry already being there. They have a friendship as it is. Um, It does make you wonder, however, if maybe the Rangers may consider a route of playing Lafreniere down to the third line and put PDG possibly on the second line on the right wing if he's comfortable to maybe help bring a spark where you can, you can hide, kind of have that grinder, if you will, to an extent, not a grinder, but just one where very similar to fast, where you have him on there to kind of really just help balance things out. He can be the ones trying to get in those corners, especially, and really work on his speed game and then help hopefully get some better opportunities for guys like Strom and Panarin more than anyone else to really get an open shot or just an open lane for a good setup. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see how the Rangers are dealing with, you know, the opponents they face so far. You start with two games against the Islanders, where games one and two are night and day. Um, then they have that game against the Devils, where you know they are the better team, but they they just fail to capitalize on it. They don't score enough goals to win the game. Um, and then against the Penguins, like that first the first game against the Penguins, you're up three one. You need to close that out. Oh yeah. And it made me think of 2016, where we had this thing. It was called the stat, where I think the Rangers were like 182, one and eleven when taking a lead into the third period. Oh, yeah. I kind of miss those days because now I don't even trust this team to take a three-goal lead in the third into the third period. That's how they just they just collapse in the third period. It's it's frustrating to see. Um, it's very frustrating. And last night, I watched the game last night and I almost fell asleep. It was such a boring game for me. You know, there just wasn't much happening. Yeah, the, the Blackwell goal was nice, but the goals that were scored were just like out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. It was it wasn't like there were good plays leading up to it and and you sell some highlight real goals that you're going to watch after the game again. No, it was like, okay, Blackwell had a had a deflection in front of the net on a shot by Adam Fox. You know, nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's, it's nice that he scores his first goal, but it's not a goal that I that I will rewatch after the game, you know? Oh, well, of course. Um, yeah. And then that that uh, equalizer by Rust, the breakaway where uh, Crosby launches him. It's nice, but again, it's 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 the type of goal that we saw from Jack Hughes in the Devils game as well. You know, it's 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 a goal that comes off of a mistake, and yep. 
it wasn't a, it wasn't a really exciting game for me uh, personally last night. So let's hope the games against the Sabers are are more exciting. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It was a little bit of a snooze fest against the Pens and the Rangers again. The defense looked strong at times, and then it didn't look strong at times. You know, some fluky goals went their way, but I believe that was Russ's second breakaway already when he scored that goal because the first time he was stopped. Um, yep. But, you know, it, it is what it is. That That is what separates the Penguins, for example, from the Rangers at this point in time for a team that, yes, the Pens are not the best Pens team that we've ever seen over the past decade, but they still have enough veteran leadership, another go-to guys where it's like, all right, when it's crunch time, we're going to do everything we can and just get these goals in versus the Rangers where, you know, once you have that 3-1 lead, this young group, they're still trying to balance and figure out, okay, how much could we sit back? If any, you shouldn't. But the reality is, is with these guys trying to find chemistry and everything, it's just, it's inevitable. You know, the amount, if I had a nickel for every time I've seen the Rangers blow like a lead or lose in dramatic fashion like that, you know, I'd be a millionaire. It just, unfortunately, these things tend to happen, especially with this rebuilding team. Um, I'm I'm a little concerned with Heedle. I don't know his full status. I know he is not playing tomorrow against the Sabres, so that's going to be interesting to see how the Rangers work out that lineup. I'd assume that Howden would get moved up to the third line. Rooney's on the fourth. Uh, Blackwell stays in there as well. Um, so what are your initial thoughts on Heedle, and what do you think his timetable would be with any knowledge that you currently have? I don't know what the injury is. I mean, okay. is it a knee injury because they hit each other knee on knee? Is it something else? I don't know. Uh, but the fact that he's flying to New York and not to Buffalo is concerning, I guess. Um, they're playing the Penguins on Saturday at home. So maybe he'll be back by then. But, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait for the news. And and how they how they will handle it, it's probably the, the, the least exciting option is for them to move Howden to the third line. Uh, play either Rooney or Blackwood center on the fourth line, and then either Gauthier or Lemieux comes back into the lineup. Yeah, Gauthier should definitely be back in this lineup. I mean, I get it. Look, I'm not, I'm not against the Quinbin when it's worked for players. You know, it's just it's a little frustrating, at least with Gauthier's case, because when you saw his play, I think at least from the eye test, from what we were watching, he was not playing bad. Granted, there are always times with these younger guys that are still trying to get the, their feet wet in the NHL where they're not necessarily looking stellar in the corners, if you will. But I thought Gauthier looked pretty solid to start off the season. So to see him bench, I hope he really comes in and makes a difference. And um, heels out day to day, just to confirm with the upper body injury. Um, so uh, because Quinn has stated how um, you know the lines aren't set as of now, the time of recording this, and that you know we probably won't find out until tomorrow or maybe not until game time exactly how they change things up, but. He'll probably be out at least a game. Hopefully he's back for game two. Um, mm. Actually, no, he probably won't be if he stay in New York. He'll probably be out for that full set because they're both in Buffalo. So I, I have a feeling he might be out for both those games, unfortunately. Going on now to the Rangers and how they've done since the start of the season. You look at Panarin, for instance. He has six points in five games. Obviously, a lot of those are special teams, but it's nice to see him still being at least a point per game, including two goals and four assists. Adam Fox, who I want to talk about actually a decent amount as long as you're down for it because I think he's been Nothing short of tremendous. Five points uh, in five games, including one goal and four assists. Buchnevich, four points in five games, including two goals and two assists. He's looked solid. PDG, four assists in four games. As we said, Heedle, three points in five games, including two goals and one assist. Kako, just the lone two goals in five games. Uh, Mika, one goal, one assist for two points in five, as we stated. Strom, only one point, which is the one goal in five games. And Kreider, with only one goal in uh, those five games thus far. Georgiev has been the better goaltender as of now, one and one. 240 save percent, uh, 240 goals allowed, and save percentage of 907. And Igor, 0 2 and 1 with a 298 goals allowed and an 886 save percentage. So I get it. A lot of people are a little bit concerned on the Igor front, 
I was talking about it earlier today because, again, you know, has he let in some soft goals? I completely agree. There was a, there are a couple, I would say, where I really felt Igor could have had a better chance on. But like anything else, you shouldn't put too much stock into it. People that think that, okay, Igor, this is a terrible thing. You know, things are definitely trending downward. You have to give credit where credit's due. A lot of these goals were not the man's fault. He was not bailed out in a lot of these situations. And he really looked strong in certain third periods as well. Not so much last night with that late goal. But what really stands out to me, especially as the home opener against the Islanders before he was eventually uh, put on the bench for the next two games. You know, in that third period, he was just stellar for the Rangers. It easily could have been a higher goal scoring game than what it was with the Islanders winning for nothing. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them going forward. But uh, in regards to Adam Fox, what are your initial thoughts on him? Because he, to me, has looked not just better than last season, but has already taken another step to his game. Like, it is tremendous. I don't see anything like a sophomore slump out of him. He has been controlling the play. He has literally been the most reliable defenseman for the Rangers. I think we can all agree. Yeah, and I'm not saying he's as good as Leach or will be as good as Leach, but I I cannot think of a defenseman that at this age was better than Adam Fox for the Rangers, aside from Brian Leach. I agree. Um, I know Ryan McDonough was an exciting young defenseman, you know, when he came out of college. Um, but he was never really on this level, in my opinion. You know, Adam Fox, the way he just controls the game, and he plays like 25, 26 minutes a night. You know, it's it's amazing how how easy he makes it look, you know. And and he has he has ice in his veins. When like, There was a, a one play on the power play at the blue line where he tips the puck over the opponent's stick and then he just circles around the player and just continues skating with it. And he he isn't he doesn't shy away from making a risky play because nine out of ten times for him it pays off. So um I think Adam Fox is an exciting prospect for for Ranger fans. Maybe even more so than Capo Caco at this point. Um Will he be like among the best in the league? I don't know. He still has room to grow and still needs to hit those targets. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's at least in the in the conversation for Norris in the future. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great feeling. You know, as soon as Fox stepped on the ice for the Rangers the first time last season, I was like, wow, this guy's different. You know, like when I was at the home opener, just he was a little. You know, he had a little mess ups to like for his first game, but overall. He just looks stellar, and I, I think what really separates him is, one, getting that maturity level, really doing well during his time in college with Harvard. I think that was great for him versus, say, you know, prospects where they really take their time in juniors. I think just him and Harvard really helped gel him well, and now being at the age in his early 20s, he he just looks like a veteran out there every single time he's on the ice. It's no, it's amazing feeling knowing that you have your sophomore um, defender in Fox, and you can pretty much have him in any and every situation it doesn't need to be offensive if you need him out there in crunch time late in the game to really hold the hold the opposing team from getting that tying goal or that winning goal you would do it because that's just how strong he's been like i would take adam fox over any other defenseman currently in this group not that i don't dislike other defensemen but he's just he's just been lights out i think as long as he can continue this pace if he continues basically being that number one power play quarterback and putting up things on a point per game basis he's going to make a lot of uh, heads turn really that got overlooked this past season because of guys like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, who were the more flashy ones, if you will. Not even so much great defensively because Adam Fox statistically was the better defender between the two, but offensively, it just that was what all the hype has been around for a while. 
But I, it's really nice seeing that Fox is definitely going to be getting more credit where credit's due. Yeah. Yeah, true. true. Yeah. So I think when you look at now for the Rangers going forward, they have obviously more question marks that they have to deal with. This is, this is a team that still has a lot of growing to do. We expect growing pains. You didn't even expect them to make playoffs. I was under the impression, I still will, that the Rangers will either just miss or just make playoffs. Right now, it seems like they're going to be farther away than just missing. But again, we're just a couple games in. We'll see if they can actually get a groove going. But they do have an opportunity to do that, and they do have an opportunity to really rebound against Pittsburgh at home because the next four games of the Rangers up until next Monday, which may very well be the next time we do a video, if not that Sunday, is you have the Sabres on this upcoming Tuesday and Thursday night. That's going to be huge for them. And then you have the Penguins back-to-back at home, both on Saturday and Monday. So what are your initial thoughts on these games? How do you think they're going to fare? What do you expect from Buffalo and the Rangers' response coming out of these losses the past three games? Um, tough to say, to be honest. Um, missing Hedo is going to be a big blow to this team. Um, they really need their top six to step up. Like Zibanejad, Kreider, Panarin, um, and Strom to an extent. Those four need to really step it up. The bottom six is fine. I think the defense is fine too. You know, Jack Johnson was scratched for the last game in favor of Brendan Smith. And I think our defense looked a lot better. Um, I would so like to see Smith I more in the lineup than Johnson. He's a, he's a better defenseman. Mm-hmm. That's him. Uh, and once the season starts, cap hit doesn't matter anymore. You know, once yep. they're on the team, you go with whoever is the best player. Correct. Um, so their defense is fine. If their goaltending can can tighten up a little bit, great. But their top six really needs to get going. Without the top six, this team is not going to beat the Sabres, unfortunately. Yeah, and and that's and I'm glad you brought that up because the Sabres team is definitely in a better position than what they were a year ago. You know, they're two, three, and one to start the season. They do have their goaltending issues, as we know, and they do have their defensive woes. But offensively speaking, they have more weapons than they've had in quite some time now. Taylor Hall's had a really strong start. Uh, Olafson for them has really looked strong. I've always been a fan of Olafson. As soon as he first came up with the Sabres, I'm like this guy's going to fit really nice in their top six. Uh, you know, uh, Eric Stolf, I didn't mention him already. Um, you know, you have guys like Jeff Skinner, if he can turn it on. You know, they have a lot of what, and Jack Eichel, their captain. So they are going to be a lot more of a pest, probably more of an issue than in previous years for this Rangers team. So it'll be interesting to see how these games go. I really hope that they can try to rally around the team, especially with Heat a while the lineup and just kind of get that oomph. That maybe this will be the driver they need because when everything is kind of going wrong, now you lose one of your better players, especially over the past couple of games. Hopefully them, even as a younger group, can kind of get together, rally around each other and make some great things happen. Because if they're able to possibly sweep this um, this uh, away trip with against the Sabres, then they're going to feel a lot more confident going against the Penguins team that they outplayed for the most part in both those games. Yeah, and the Sabres are, are not a bad team. You know, they, they beat the Capitals yep. yesterday, I think. They shoot out. Um, yeah, um, they, they, they blew out the Flyers 6-1 earlier yep. this week. Um, and then, of course, they lost three nothing. But you know, they they have the talent to to win like like single games. Um, if the Rangers win both games, that would be great. But I wouldn't. I would be surprised if the Sabers don't win at least one of them. Yeah, I mean that's especially with Hedo out of the lineup. 
you know, I, I can't blame you there. Obviously, as Rangers fans, we hope they can get the sweep in, but it's going to be a tough task. Eichel is a guy that they're going to have to try to shut down, and it's going to be fun to see how the matchups will go because I'm curious how, like, Jack, um, not Jack Johnson, how a guy of Keandre Miller, for example, is going to match up against a guy, Jack Eichel, both similar frames. You know, we saw mm-hmm. what he could do against Crosby. Let's see what he can do against a more high flying, a more dominant player on the puck, physicality wise, and, John, and uh, Eichel. I think we can all agree on that in Crosby's career. So I'm, I'm excited for it. I really hope that the Rangers can bounce back against those Penguins games because I'm assuming next time we'll probably talk will either be that Sunday or that Monday before that Penguins game happens in MSG. So a lot's going to transpire before then. But before I let you go here, what are some picks you would say we could do them together? Uh, what Rangers do you think are going to have the best week coming up? And what players do you think may have the worst week? Not that we want to see a guy have a worst week, but realistically, there's always going to be guys that don't perform as well as others. Um, my prediction for best players is upcoming week, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, and probably Artemi Panarin. You know, he, he's an X-factor player. He's the type of player you don't bench, even if he has a shit game, because he makes something out of nothing. Yep. Um, out of the players that, that have to improve, he's probably the one who can most easily turn it around. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. Do you think that Mika starts to find his stride this week? Um, I, it all depends on how he feels, you know. And, yeah. and he only joined the team two days before the first game. Oh, I that know. Was he, had, he had nothing to prepare for. He he had no preparation at all. Yeah, people say there's no preseason. It's not only just, it's not just preseason. You know, you have the practices with, with scrimmages, and he only was able to fly back on the 30th of December because he tested positive. And that, that affects everything. So uh, when other guys flew in mid-December, he still had two weeks where he had to wait in Sweden. Um, so it's probably going to be a couple more weeks for him to get back into his groove. But if he can pull a goal or two in the upcoming few few games, that will go a long way. Yeah. You know, you're exactly right. I hope if he can get something going, maybe against Buffalo, take advantage of a weaker defense still there. Because same thing with the Pens. They both don't have stellar defenses, as we know. Penguins have a good def- have had a good defensive structure. But in regards to how their defense is currently shaped up, it's clear that the Rangers can still try to take advantage of that. So, you know, I think we hit the nail on the head with everything regarding this week's segment. Um, unless there's anything you want to add, I'll get you out of here. And then just give me your prediction, if you had to say, just for fun, how do you think the Rangers record is going to go for the next four games? with everything as it currently stands? Um, for the upcoming three games, I'm going to go 1-1-1. One, 1-1-1 one, one. One, one, one for the next three games? Okay, all right. It sounds very Rangers-esque if you ask me. So, all right, yeah, no, for my for my uh, biggest guys improving, um, I think they're going to stand out. Fox is obviously going to stand out. Um, something tells me that uh, Lafreniere is going to start to find his stride sooner than later. It feels inevitable at this point. Um, as soon as that top six can start clicking, I think once Laffy actually gets a point, there's just going to be this overwhelming sense of confidence in him. That's going to just naturally come over throughout the season. Um, and guys that I think might yeah, if act- you keep playing it over and over again, eventually we'll be right, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think when you're in regards to guys that might have a step back, per se, how the current roster looks, um, not that I want him to, but Truba, uh, just because I, I haven't been loving what I've been seeing from him to start out the season, and it wouldn't surprise me if he continues to struggle for the next couple of game, couple games. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Gautier. If he comes back into the lineup, can he go back to the way he played before? Because he was really one of our better forwards before he was cracked. 
That's true. You'd have to hope that he has a fire under him right now that Quinn, you know, had the talk with him and said that, yes, we're benching you, but know that like, we just want the best out of you. We like this, but we want, we need to see more of this. You know, there's something there clearly that is rubbing Quinn the wrong way that he feels that benching him will do him best once he's back in the lineup. So if it's similar to a D'Angelo situation or whoever, then I'm all for it because that means that he's going to bounce back. Oh, speaking of D'Angelo, the final thing I want to bring up. Um, I've seen a lot of fans complain about D'Angelo taking the third shot in the shootout against the Penguins. Why why would he complain? He scored shootout goals in the past for us. That's the thing. D'Angelo has one of the best shootout records on the team. And it's a gamble anyway. It's like flipping a coin. You go with the the players who give you the best the best chance to win. When Zuccarello was on this team, he could have the worst game of his life. He was always on the uh, he was always in the shootout because he was one of the best shootout shootout um, performers on the team. Him and Stephon. I know I know people said yeah, but what about Filipino? He had a good game. This isn't hockey. It's a shootout. It's different. It's, it's not part of hockey. We complain about this all the time, you know. We complain all the time about how the shootout is not real hockey. Okay, let's treat it that way then. <laughs> let's treat it as just a gimmick, as an all-star game gimmick where you pick the player who has the best chance to convert. And on this team, D'Angelo is among the best players with the highest success rate in the shootout. So I, I'm not going to blame Quinn for that. And th- I have... Go ahead. I have my issues with Quinn. That's not one of them. Neither is mine. Look, people are always going to find... Re- Look, Tony D'Angelo isn't loved by all Rangers fans as it is. So if you see him do anything that isn't necessarily going to benefit the team, you're going to see backlash. That's inevitable, unfortunately. But it's funny that you say that, and just to close this out now, because when I think of right-hand defenseman, for, the Rangers for years have always had a guy that stood out um, over the past decade, whether it was Dan Boyle or Kevin Shankirk, or even even though he was a lefty, Keith Yandel at times, that would be in the shootout because they would normally get a good shot off. And then when you think of Zuccarello, yes, he's just he slows down, he waits, he shoots a high glove just with no movement beforehand, or he does a simple um, backhand forehand and gets out the goalie. And then Stepan would always be in there as well. He normally winds up, goes for a snipe normally on um, blocker side. You know, just fond memories as Ranger fans. No defenseman will ever take a better shot at that Marek Malik, though. Oh, of course. He, he changed the game. He absolutely changed the game. I, I, have, I have that bobblehead, too, of him. It's awesome. Yeah. Great. All right, Stephen. Well, thank you again. I thank you all so much for everyone that chimed in. I hope you enjoyed for this uh, weekly segment, episode three of Rangers Review. But thank you all so much again, guys. It means a lot. Looking forward to a great week for the Rangers. And Stephen, anything else before I let you go? Uh, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.